Father, I'm going to thank you that there is no other name that we desire to be on the lips of every man, woman, and child in this community than the name of Jesus. Lord, we don't live and we don't exist to advance the name of First Baptist Church, Merritt Island. God, long before we came on this scene and long after we'll all be gone, the name of Jesus was the only name given under heaven whereby men would be saved. And so, Lord, we desire the name of Jesus to spread to every man, woman, and child in Merritt Island and Brevard County and the state of Florida and across the seas, Lord. And we thank you that that mission doesn't depend on us. It's a mission Jesus is accomplishing today. And he's doing it through all his people. And so, Father, I pray for those three really dear gospel partners that we have, that daily, weekly are partnering with us through ministries like Merritt Island Christian School and Agape Women's Center and House of Hope. Lord, I I pray for them. I pray, Father, for Calvary Chapel and Pastor Malcolm Wilde. Lord, Church of Vieira and Pastor Mark Ragsdale and Georgiana and Pastor Corky. Lord, I, I pray you'd fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may great things happen through them today. Fill them with the power of Jesus as they gather and as they go. And Lord, I pray that we would hear that they're thriving and growing and increasing, not only in numbers, but in impact for the glory of Jesus in this community. We thank you that we have the pleasure and privilege of partnering with them for the glory of Jesus and the good of your people. And as we study your word today, meet with us. Lord, you be our teacher Be glorified in our study. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open them to Philippians chapter 1. Now, we'll be in Philippians 1 this week and next week. And then the week following, Lord willing, and no hurricanes come, we're going to jump back in our study of the book of Daniel. But this morning, we'll be in Philippians chapter 1, and I feel as we're jumping into Philippians 1, and we'll be talking about the mission of Jesus this week and next, that it would be appropriate for me to just acknowledge a biblical framework, a biblical foundation that we'll be building on and referring to, but I'm not going to be going through the scriptures to identify for you, just a, a foundation for the mission of Jesus Christ. And if you want passages of scripture that are tied to everything that I'm saying in this a little opening section. Our notes are on the website in the sermon series that we're in. Every single Tuesday or around there, we put our sermon notes online. So you can go back. There are passages of Scripture that are underscoring everything that I'm getting ready to say. But as we talk about the mission of Christ, here's what we're talking about. Here's what we mean. We mean that Jesus Christ, God the Son, came into this world to seek and to save from every nation and tribe and tongue and social order, people, to seek and save people who are lost and broken in their sin. And that mission not only brought Jesus to this earth, that mission took Jesus to the cross where he died on the cross for the sin of this world so that anyone, including you and me, anyone who will call on Jesus in faith will be forgiven of their sin and restored to God as their Father. And that same mission that 
led Jesus to a cross and death led him to rise again from the dead to prove his power over sin and Satan and to ensure the fact that his work would never be defeated, that he would prove to be a glorious, victorious Savior and King. And that same mission that led Jesus to this earth, to the cross, through the grave and raised on the other side, that same mission led Jesus to place his very spirit in every single one of his followers, including you and me, if we're trusting in Christ, so that we could live as his witnesses in this world. And that same mission will actually coincide with the return of Jesus to this earth. That mission of making the gospel known throughout the world is a mission that Jesus will accomplish once the gospel has actually reached every part of this world. Jesus himself said he will not come again until the gospel of good news has been declared among all the people groups of this world. That's a biblical foundation for the mission of Jesus Christ. And here's the point, church. Here's why I would point that out. The mission of Jesus among the nations of this world is the backdrop for everything Jesus is doing in the world today and everything Jesus will do in this world until he comes again. And here's what that means. It means if you want your life to be part of what Jesus is doing in the world today, then your life must be aligned with the mission of Jesus among our neighbors and our nations. If you want your life, and I pray you do, to be aligned with what Jesus is doing in the world today, then you have to see that your life would be aligned to the mission of Christ. It means that if you're willing to answer the call of Jesus when he says, follow me, and many of you who say you're Christ followers have said you've done just that, that means you need to know he's calling you to follow him into a mission to reach this world with The gospel, and here's why that's so important. Day after day, year after year, you are pursuing some kind of goal for your life, whether you know it or not. You are using your relationships and careers and finances and entertainment for some particular aim, for a goal, for a purpose. All of your life is spent day after day. Week after week, year after year, in pursuit of a goal. And here's what I'm praying the Holy Spirit will do in you today. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will make your heart beat fast when you think about the goal of your life being joining what Jesus is doing to make the name above all other names known to your neighbors And among all the nations of this world, I pray that resolve will begin to build up in all of our hearts to not only say that I desire to follow Jesus into his mission among the nations, but that you'll actually take a practical step today and tomorrow and throughout this week to follow Jesus into his mission. And one of the most practical steps that Jesus has given us as a church to follow him into his mission is through strategic partnerships. Our local partners, like the ones that you met earlier, provide opportunities for you and me, just average people, to step into what Jesus is doing 
to reach men, women, and children from every walk of life right here in this community. And as we get to know our global partners throughout the rest of the week, we have opportunities to stop in, step into what Jesus is doing to reach people from every tribe and tongue and nation around the world. And guys, there are so many opportunities, so many opportunities that are right here in front of you today to say yes to Jesus and take one more step into those partnerships. Like very practical things, like visiting the displays in Main Street and talking to our partners. Like coming back this afternoon at four o'clock and attending breakout sessions with some of these partners so you can hear how you as an individual follower of Jesus can be a part of that partnership. Coming back Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and hearing from our international partners from around the world, from Malawi and Cambodia and Australia, Nicaragua and Mongolia, and hear how you can be a part of what Jesus is doing in those places. You can come back next Sunday morning to your small group and find the place where a missionary will be sharing their field in a small group and hear what God is doing in those places. Church, we want to provide you with every opportunity to take practical steps of following Jesus into what he's doing to reach your neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus through these strategic gospel partnerships he's graciously provided for us. And because those partnerships are so central to our mission strategy as a church, I felt led this morning and next Sunday to study a passage of scripture that is all about learning gospel partnership or learning the why and the what and the how of gospel partnership. That's Philippians chapter 1. And so I'm going to start reading in Philippians chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 3 through 13 this morning. Verse 3 says this. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Philippi and says, I thank my God and All my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all. Paul was from the south, so he said, for y'all. Making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Do you see it there? I don't have to point it out to you, did I? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, he's talking to a church there. He went ahead and told you he meant that word you as plural. That's why he said y'all. But every time you see you in this text, it's plural. He's talking about a group of believers, a local church. And he says, God began a work and that work included partnership as a church with the mission of Christ. Verse seven, he goes on to say, it's right for me to feel this way about y'all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for y'all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be sure, pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now stop right there. That's the word of God for us 
today. And I just want us to think really simply, really straightforward, what's going on in this passage, okay? The Apostle Paul was one of the very first Christian missionaries in the entire history of the world. He traveled throughout the Roman Empire. He would go city to city telling people about Jesus who'd never heard about Jesus before. And as individuals in all those cities like Ephesus and Corinth and here in Philippi would hear for the very first time in the history of their city the good news about Jesus, people would come to faith in Christ. And as they came to faith, God was building his church. And Paul was a part of that. He was planting individual churches in all of those cities where he traveled as a missionary. That's how the church in Philippi came to exist. Paul was used by God to declare the gospel to a group of people in Philippi who trusted in Jesus became the church. And so here he's writing this letter to those believers, the church in Philippi. And you need to know, he isn't writing because he's lonely and needs some pen pals. He's writing because this church, he says in verse five, is one of his gospel partners. That's what he calls them there. He's writing to his gospel partners because he's wanting to inform them about what's taking place while he's on his gospel mission. That's why he tells them about his imprisonment and what is happening there to advance the gospel of Jesus. And so let's just stop right there in the most simple way, at the risk of oversimplifying what we just are thinking about. I actually think that's a really good spot to stop. And to kind of define a term that we use all the time, the the idea of gospel partnerships. Just think about what we just saw and are experiencing. On one side of this partnership is an individual named Paul. You guys see that there? Okay, if you don't, then I can't reduce that any lower, okay? I cannot possibly. One side of the partnership, an individual named Paul, a missionary. On the other side of the partnership, a group of individuals, the church at Philippi. And that helps us kind of get a basic definition. They're partnering together for the sake of advancing the gospel. That's why he's writing this letter as an update. I want you to know the gospel is advancing. And that gives us a basic definition for what we mean when we say gospel partnership. A gospel partnership is any partnership between individual believers or groups of believers for the mission of advancing the gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you, church, I encourage you to think about that through the week because there's a lot that's loaded in that phrase. For instance, you don't have a gospel partnership without the gospel, okay? That's why the Roman Catholic Church is not one of our gospel partners because we disagree on the gospel. We don't believe that we can partner with them and call it a gospel partnership. That's one of the reasons why. The sheriff's department is not one of our gospel partners, even though they are one of our community partners where we serve our community together. We, we don't exist for the same purpose. We want to advance the one and only gospel of Jesus. That's not the express purpose of the Brevard County Sheriff's Department as much as we love them as partners. You don't have a gospel partnership without the gospel. I'm not going to go down all of those roads. I encourage you to go down them and think through them, but just think in terms of partnerships that are strategic and intentional, that are intended to advance the gospel. Here's what it means. It means that individual Christians can partner with other individual Christians 
to advance the gospel, and that's a gospel partnership. You don't have to go there right now, but in chapter 2, verse 22, you find that Paul refers to a young guy named Timothy, and he says that he shared in serving the gospel with me. Timothy was one of, was one of Paul's gospel partners. As a matter of fact, the first city that Timothy ever traveled to with Paul as a gospel partner was the city of Philippi. This church was planted through the joint effort of of God's work in Timothy, in Paul, and in Silas. And so individual believers can partner together to take the gospel to any place in this world. So for instance, when you and your spouse take the gospel to the people on your street, your gospel partners to your neighbors. When you and a neighbor kind of team up together like some of our neighbors have in the past to share the love and good news of Jesus with the people on our street. We're gospel partners. When you and a classmate team up to tell your classmates at school about Jesus, your gospel partners, and that can be where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play. When your golf partner gets in a golf league with you and you guys double team those other people, not just to bury them on the golf course, but to raise them a new life in the gospel of Jesus, that's a gospel partnership between individuals. That's really at the heart of who's your one. Who's your one for us as a church is a strategy that everyone in this church would have at least someone that they are seeking to lead to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if that person's where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play, we're encouraging you to form partnerships with other believers to serve your one and love your one for the sake of the gospel. That's a gospel partnership. It's not just between individuals, though, because groups of Christians can partner with individuals to advance the gospel. That's exactly what we see here. The church, the group of believers at Philippi, are partnering with an individual named Paul as a missionary to advance the gospel. That's how we as a church are partnering with people like David and Catherine Hodge in Malawi and Shannon and Vicki Bob, who are in Cambodia. You'll meet them later in the week. And many of our other global partners and local partners, we're partnering as a church with individuals to take the gospel to the nations. Groups of Christians can also partner with other groups of Christians to plant churches, to work to serve our community together. That's all that we're doing through House of Hope, APC, and the Merritt Island Christian School, as well as One More Child, Canaveral Port Ministry. As a matter of fact, the Southern Baptist Convention, our denomination, is really just a voluntary partnership between 50,000 churches for the sake of advancing the gospel of Jesus around the world. So church, the reason I go through all of that is because you're going to hear me over and over again. You do every week hear me and our pastors use the phrase gospel partners. And when we use that phrase, we just want you to know what we're talking about. We're talking about this. We're talking about individuals, groups of people, believers in Christ, churches and organizations who are joining together to intentionally advance the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations of this world. And what our text provides for us is the why for how it is or why it is you and I should care about those gospel partnerships. When I ask you this question, what kind of gospel partnerships are you in as an individual? I pray you can tell me. 
I pray that right now you could tell me, here's how I'm partnering with individuals, with, church, with my church, with other organizations. Here's how I'm partnering for the sake of the gospel. And even if you can't, that's okay. That's what this weekend is about. Here's what I really want you to know. Here's why you should. Our text is giving us the why why it matters that we would live in gospel partnerships like the ones I've just described. Let me put this in layman's terms, okay? Any layman in the room? Here's a layman's term for you. Our text is actually telling you why you should want to come back here today at 4 p.m. and potentially miss the end of the Cleveland Browns game. Which, by the way, it's Pastor's Appreciation Month. And, and, and if you love your at least this one of your pastors at all, you won't come back at four and tell me the score of the game. I've got it paused. It'll be recorded at home, okay? Never mind. This is telling us why you should come back with me and my family and miss the end of your game, why it would matter more than your football game. It's telling us why you should come back Wednesday night, why it should matter to you that we would say, hey, come back and join us Wednesday night, and it wouldn't feel optional to you. It's telling you why you should want to go on a short-term mission trip this year. This text is telling you why you should want to partner with mission agencies and maybe even spend your whole career overseas out of the United States taking the gospel to people who haven't heard. This text is giving us the why, why it matters, why it's important, why you should care, and why this isn't just a bunch of details about gospel partnership. So what's the why? And I'll tell you the why. It's three big things this text shares that Tell us why it's so important. Let me give you the big idea that has three big whys to gospel partnership. Here's the big idea for this morning. God uses gospel partnerships to bring joy to his people, good news to this world, and glory to himself. Any of those sound like things you want to be a part of? Two of you want to be a part of those. Okay, dear Lord in heaven, help us. Want what we should want the way we should want it. Okay, let's walk through that big idea just one at a time. Here's the first big why. Why should you be involved in gospel partnerships? Why should you say yes to take next steps? Because God uses gospel partnerships to bring joy to his people. For the two people in this room who want to live with joy, look at verses 3 and 4 and 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Why? Why does Paul have joy? Why can he say something so outrageous to us that he says, every time I think of you, I have joy. How many, how many people in your life can you actually say that about? He says, every time I think of you, I have joy. Why? Because of this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Guys, you don't have to be a seminary graduate, which is good for me, to see what Paul is saying here. He is thankful to God, and he has a perpetual, persistent joy because of the partnership and what God is doing through it between him and the church at Philippi. God is using gospel partners to bring joy to Paul. Listen, friend, when you step into the work that Jesus is doing to rescue and redeem people from every place in this world and every walk of life, you know what it does? It produces joy to see Jesus work, to see a work that matters and will last for all of eternity. Let me just flesh this out a little bit 
for you. You don't need to answer this out loud, not that you would anyway, but let me just ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud. Does it, does it bring you more joy to look back over your day and know that you wasted it or to look back and know that you spent it worthwhile? I would hope, and I don't know that it's guaranteed, which isn't why I wanted you to answer it out loud, but I hope that no one wants to look back and feel like they wasted their entire day. A couple months ago, I told you about an engine that I've been rebuilding with Logan for his old Bronco, right? So in our spare time, we're trying to get bits and pieces and work on that old engine. Um, over the summer, I actually had to work on part of that engine that needed some pretty extensive rebuilding. I had to, to rebuild the cylinder heads of that old 302, and I put about eight to 10 hours into rebuilding those cylinder heads. It took me about a month to try and cobble together eight to 10 hours to work on those cylinder heads. And when it came time to put them all back together, that's when I found out that those heads were so far beyond repair that I needed to get different heads in order to make the engine perform the way that I wanted to. You know what that meant? That meant all of my work for that entire month on those cylinder heads was entirely wasted. I've got two boat anchors sitting in my garage that look like cylinder heads because they're worthless to me right now. It didn't matter in the end. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? You get it? Okay. Wow. Wow. Can I ask you another question? Hey, can you imagine if that was the story of your life? Like really, I want you to think about this. Can you imagine if that was the story of your life? Can you imagine if you got to the end of your one and only life on this planet and you realized once it was all spent, when everything was said and done, that you had spent your life living for things that did not matter at all in the end? Guys, that principle is not just about your time It's not just about your labor, it's about your finances, it's about your careers, it's about your pursuits of hobbies and even political ends. Every part of our life goes through that same grid. Can you imagine getting to the end of your one and only life only for it to be clear to you as the world, the Bible says, burns and fades away? It will not last. It will not matter in the end. Can you imagine if that was the story of your life? How much joy would you have on the last day on earth to look back over the whole life God had given you only to watch it burn and fade away, never again to matter because it never really mattered in the first place. You want to talk about Joy. What would it be like if you were part of a work, a labor, an investment that on that very same day, while the dreams of billions of people were fading away and being proven for what they were, a waste of their one and only life, what about the joy that will come 
on that very same day to know that your life was a part of a work that erupts in eternal worship and praise to Jesus, an eternal joy. The Bible says in Psalm 1611, at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore and joy unending, everlasting joy. Listen, do you want your life to be filled with joy? Then join what Jesus is doing that will last forever in the hearts and minds and people. Let me just ask you this. Would it bring you joy to know that the neediest families in this community are receiving food and clothing in the name of Jesus and that every week some of them are coming to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, would that bring you joy? Then partner with the House of Hope. Would it bring you joy to know that women today who are considering aborting their unborn babies are not only learning about the options they have to bring those children into this world, they're also hearing about the gospel of Jesus and coming to actually be born again themselves. Would that bring you joy? Then partner with the AWC. Would it bring you joy to know that people who live in countries where there's no access to the gospel are actually coming to this community through Canaveral Port? And they're hearing about Jesus. And they're being saved. Would that bring you joy? Well, then partner with the Canaveral Port Ministry. Would it bring you joy to know that victims of human trafficking who've been enslaved by evil, evil people are being rescued today from sexual slavery and restored to the kind of life that Jesus died to give them? Would it bring you joy to know that? Then partner with one more child. Would it bring you joy to know that single moms and their little children are being rescued from a life of homelessness on the streets and being given a safe place to stay where they can learn about Jesus and grow and become all that God has desired for them to be. Would it bring you joy to know that? Then partner with New Life Mission. You want to know one of the reasons why so many of us are walking around with so little joy? You do know so many of us are walking around with so little joy, right? Just walk around our community. You'll get it. It's because we are glued to the headlines of a godless media and we're watching a front row seat to see how sin and Satan are doing in our world today. And we're totally missing out on what Jesus is up to. We're living without joy because we're wasting our lives on things that do not matter at all in light of eternity. And what Jesus says is, join me, I'm at work. I'm saving, I'm rescuing, I am redeeming men, women, and children in this community and all around the world. And I want to give you a front row seat to watch me work miracles when you partner with other believers to take the gospel of Jesus to this world. So friend, listen, if there's a thing in your heart that sparks at the thought of having a life that's filled with the kind of joy that will last forever, then say yes to Jesus and his work among the nations. Partner with other believers to advance the gospel. That brings us to the second thing and the second way God uses gospel partnerships. God uses gospel partnerships to bring good news to this world. Joy to his people, good news to this world. Verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
He's talking about his imprisonment. He says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Okay, just think very clearly. This is so simple. What Paul is doing, he's sending a report back to his gospel partners in Philippi. And one of the reasons he's sending them this report is because they've partnered with him by giving him a financial gift. We'll see that later on in this book. It's enabling him to basically be sustained in life while he's imprisoned at Rome. And so he's giving them a report. Hey, as you've partnered with me, I want you to know how your gifts are enabling the advance of the gospel. And what he tells them is something amazing. He says, the whole imperial guard has heard about Jesus. That's pretty amazing, right? Do you even know what the Imperial Guard is? (laughs) No. The Imperial Guard consisted of nine bodyguards who protected the Roman emperor. Okay? So likely the emperor at the time was a guy named Nero. You've heard about him. He definitely needed some bodyguards and psychiatric help. So the, the, the Roman emperor is guarded by nine men who are with him all the time. They're called the Imperial Guard. They're the nine men in this world who have the closest proximity, the most powerful man in the entire world. And Paul says this, hey, your gift to me that enables my ministry while I'm in prison, God's using that gift and your partnership with me to bring the good news of Jesus to the Imperial Guard, the highest levels of Rome, the same Rome that's trying to crush the gospel and its advance has no power against the work of Jesus Christ in me and in you. And this Roman empire that's trying to crush the gospel doesn't even know it, but God has sent me here and I'm one guard away from reaching the emperor with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's using gospel partnerships to advance the gospel to the greatest and the darkest places in this world. The gospel's going somewhere that the Philippians never could have gone themselves but could take part in. That's what God does in gospel partnerships. He uses it to advance the gospel to places that we may never even go. Guys, God uses these partnerships that we have, even just the ones that are in this room, to take the gospel to places you and I would never be able to step foot. And I pray that it would motivate your heart when you think about that. Guys, here, let me just put some flesh on this. I pray with you that it's, that it's not okay that there are people and places in this world who have never heard about Jesus. I want you to think about something. The nation of India has almost 1.5 billion people. And 1.3 billion of those people live in people groups or ethnic groups or identifiable groups that are unreached with the gospel. 1.3 billion people in just one nation on this earth. There are 32 million Pashtun people who live in the nation of Pakistan and they're unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I've got to say, I pray that even as I mention that, there are some people in this room and I pray the Holy Spirit is stirring some of you to say, I, I believe he's calling me to go to India. I, I believe he's calling me to go to the Pashtun in Pakistan. I believe he's calling me to go to unreached people groups. I pray he's doing that. But here's what I know. Even if he's not calling you into one of those places, it's even more unlikely that he's calling you to go to those two places at once, right? 
You can't be in two places at one time, but here's what you need to know because of gospel partnerships. Simply because you can't go to two places at one time doesn't mean that you can't be part of what Jesus wants to do in both places at the exact same time. If you're willing to partner with other believers for the sake of the mission of Christ, that's exactly what God will do with your life. He uses partnerships to bring good news to the people of this world. He allows us to be a part of taking the gospel to places and people we will never meet or see with our own eyes. Guys, you, listen to me, you in this room, you can help bring the gospel of Jesus to victims of human trafficking today. You can help bring the gospel of Jesus to homeless people, homeless single moms and their kids. You can help bring the gospel of Jesus to orphans in Mongolia. You can help bring the gospel of Jesus to Australia and Malawi and Afghanistan. And I pray that God's calling you to go to those places. I pray that God's stirring you to leave even your careers in the United States and follow him for your career as a global missionary. I pray so, but I know that he won't call all of you to do that, but he will allow all of you to be a part of that through gospel partnerships that are right here in this room. Will you say yes and take the next step? Because God uses gospel partnerships to bring joy to his people, good news to this world, and then we'll close with the third and final thing. God uses gospel partnerships to bring glory to himself. Verse six says this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a work in you, a good work, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now skip down to verse nine. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying that the work that is happening in and through the Philippians is a work that God is doing through the power of Jesus. He says that in verse six. He says it again in verse 11. And since God is doing the work, God will get the glory. Guys, that's not just true for our individual lives. It's true for our partnerships. God is working among us as people so that no one of us as people would ever be able to take the glory for what he's doing among us. No one person, not the leaders of these ministries, not the pastors of this church, would be able to take the glory for what God alone is doing through our partnerships. Because only God is able to do what's happening among us. Only God is able to open up the doors of ministry to the darkest corners of this community. Only God is able to overcome the power of governments who are killing their own citizens when they convert to Christianity and allowing the gospel to move into those people groups. Only God has that power. Only God can do that kind of work, and he is. And when you engage in a gospel partnership to advance the gospel of Jesus to the neighbors in this community and the nations of this world, you get to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And when we see Jesus do what only Jesus can do, the response is worship. It's worship. It's worship in our hearts and it's worship in the hearts of those who come to know Jesus through his work. So let me just ask you, Does it make your heart beat fast 
to think of Jesus being worshiped in this community? Does it make your heart beat fast to think of little girls enslaved in sexual sin being released by Jesus and saying there is no one like Jesus He saved and rescued me. He is awesome to hear them worship, to hear people who are enslaved in false religion around the world gather around the throne of God and say, there is no one like Jesus. Does it make your heart beat fast to think of God being worshiped and glorified through the people of this world? Does it make your heart beat fast to see the gospel spread to our neighbors and our nations? Does it make your heart beat fast to think of living with a joy-filled life that on the last day when all is said and done will have been a life well spent that will last forever? If it makes your heart beat fast, then here's what God's calling you to do next. Take one more step in faithful obedience into gospel partnership today. Show up tonight at four. Come back on Wednesday at six. Be here next week. Say yes to whatever way the Holy Spirit might be stirring you to pray and give and go on mission in this world because God uses gospel partnerships to bring joy to his people, to bring good news to this world, to bring glory to his name. That's why it matters. That's why this conference matters. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And enter into a time of prayer. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that you will have heard what we've been talking about all along. There's no one like Jesus who came to this earth to live and die in your place. So that by his sacrifice on the cross, you could be forgiven your sin and restored to God. And that though he died, he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that he can raise you up to a brand new kind of life. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, just call on him right now by faith. Say, Jesus, I claim the promise that anyone who will call on you will be saved. And I'm trusting you, not myself, to be right with God. Call on Jesus to be saved. For those of you who'd say you're a follower of Christ, my question for you is, are you following Christ in his mission? Are you stepping into the partnerships he has made, wide open doors for the gospel? And will you just take the next step? Right now, would you pray that the Lord would stir your heart to take the next step? And say, Jesus, I'll go where you're calling me to go. I'll give what you're calling me to give. I'll do what you're calling me to do. I want to follow you into your mission. Father, I want to thank you for this week, it's two Sundays and the activities and the things that have been planned for the days ahead that highlight global partnerships and local partnerships. But God, we want to confess 
that unless you do a work in us, God, unless you do a work that causes our hearts to say, we want to see Jesus proclaimed and glorified in the darkest, hardest places in this community and around the world, unless you do that work, we'll choose other things, Father. Or we'll choose all of the lesser pursuits. We'll be entertained. We'll have careers. We'll, we'll, we'll spend our lives, our money, our choices on passions that, that just don't matter, God. And, and, and Father, unless you do the work, Lord, that's who we'll be. So do that work in us. Stir us to say yes. And I thank you for the great opportunity that we have. An opportunity that today represents to follow Jesus and his work in the nations. I pray we would say yes. Even before you've made it clear what you'll call us to do, I pray that we'd say yes to all that Jesus has for us. And we pray it all 